Welcome to the Life in the Red podcast presented by the Lincoln Journal Star, your source for Husker news, analysis, and more. From football in the fall to recruiting in the summer, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Bassnett, Parker Gabriel, and Stephen M. Sippel. Three, two, one. Welcome in, Life in the Red podcast. I'm Chris, there's Parker, no Steve today, counting us in. Uh, so we brought in Parker to do that for us. Steve is unavoidably detained Bullpen at arm. the moment. Yeah. So Somewhere we'll, we'll in the wide world. Yeah, he's uh, as he usually is. He showed up to baseball yesterday on the Harley uh, to talk to Will Bull, which I, I kind of gave a little fist pump when I pulled into the parking lot and saw the Harley. Best winter ever. Oh, my God. Seriously. Will Bull's saying that. They've been outside like 20 times this year. It's crazy. It's going to, well, as soon as the season starts, though, you know, the March snow will commence here. In- that, that home opener, March 11th, is guaranteed. Guaranteed. Like 38. Guaranteed. Flurries, yeah. <clears throat> Wind blowing. It's 30 miles. Hard of spring ball for, for Nebraska. That'll be, they'll be in the Hawks because it'll be, snow will be piled up outside. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Long Beach State's going to come strolling in here in the middle of March from California and turn right back around and get on the plane and head back home. So we will talk some baseball here in a little bit. We'll also touch on a little bit of football, a little bit of hoops. Um, get, get you out of here quick, easy breezy on a, on a right. Wednesday afternoon, uh, 3.44 p.m., February 16th, 2022. I hope you all had a wonderful Valentine's Day. Uh, I know I did. Very romantic covering the things I cover <laughs> at, at home. Very, very romantic with a one-year-old and a flailing basketball yeah. program. Yeah, it's great. It's great. But that's neither here nor there. So let's talk a little football. Uh, yeah. We'll get, we'll, we'll get right into it. Adrian Martinez, former Nebraska quarterback, did his podcast earlier this week. Uh, had some really, really, really interesting comments about his broken jaw and and the procedure that he went through to, to deal with that. I think you and I agree, Parker, that was probably the most, uh, among many interesting things that came out of that, that was probably the most interesting thing that came out of that, just what Adrian put himself through putting having screws inserted into his literally into his gums and having his jaw rubber banded shut uh, so that he could continue to play. Just put just that kind of on, a wild story. Yeah. Put that on the list of things. I, I, I just would prefer not to sign up to do in my life. Um, yeah. Get six screws drilled into my gums. God, if I it know. can be avoided. I'll, I'll pass on that. Um, like him talking about how they like had to go between the teeth so they didn't hit the roots of the teeth with the screws they were drilling into his gums. God. And, and also like, the screws like every every week yeah, or whatever. It was. Yeah. Like, did you ever have braces? I didn't. No, luckily. Yes, I you know busted face in general. Um, braces when I was young, and even like when they even when they tighten the braces, you know that yeah. that would that would hurt really hurt. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. teeth move around a little bit, and the, and uh, I had one that had, they had to like pull it down, and so it moved, you know, like probably like a quarter inch, half an inch over a couple of days, and it just uh-huh. hurt like hell. Oh, god, I mean, I can't imagine. And, and then to think about having screws drilled in your gums, I mean, that is just yeah, the, the taking hits in Big Ten football games, yeah, right. Like also, not planning on um, putting a stake in a blender anytime soon, uh. um. And it all sort of like, it all added up. To, I mean, it's very interesting listening to Adrian talk about his year. Um, it's really the first. I think he talked maybe down in Manhattan, Kansas State, like news conference setting a week or so ago. I didn't see his full 
comments there. And so I guess it was the most extensively he's talked about Nebraska. And I think there's some, there's like, I think there's a natural reaction to some of this. That's like, he was here for four years. He played a lot of football for Nebraska. Everyone who's a Nebraska fan obviously knows at least some about the football element of, of Adrian Martinez's time here. Um, but he doesn't play here anymore. So some people are like, don't care, move on. He's Kansas yeah, State's yeah. quarterback. Why are we talking about this? Some people are, there's some, you know, he clearly wasn't happy with the way that the news about his broken jaw was disseminated that day of the Ohio State game. Um, mm-hmm. Gus Johnson mentioned it on the broadcast. Scott Frost brought it up on his own um, after the game in the post-game news conference. So there's that element of it. There's the sort of like, Anytime a high-profile guy decides to transfer, you know, he talked pretty generically about making that decision. So it's all like it's perfect off-season fodder in yeah. a way. But I, the thing, honestly, like that is the thing that I came away from <clears throat> thinking most out of all, all the stuff, whether it's like that Frost do wrong by him, by – talking about the jaw when people like knew something was wrong, but didn't know the extent of it. Um, and who, who said what after the season and all that stuff, honestly, the thing that, that struck me the most was the lengths that Adrian went to to stay on the field. last year. It's just yes, insane. insane to go yeah. through all that and to play and then to have the high ankle sprain, which we also knew about the Tuesday before the Minnesota game. And it just, continue playing until he literally tore his labor <laughs> until he literally could his not jaw play anymore. and an ankle injury screws in his gums and an ankle injury then he tore his labor against Wisconsin and still what kind of wanted to play and still tried to like give it a go after he tore his labor he played like he played just, an entire half second half plays wisconsin he played yeah and so Crazy. like that, that that was what stuck out to me was like people invariably will have opinions about adrian martinez and he had, he said during that podcast to like, I understand I'm not unique, like the whole thing with the news coming out about is like, I guess you'd prefer for the, the, the source of that sort of news coming out. Like if you're him, you don't want it to leak. And you probably prefer that if it's, it's going to, that your head coach isn't the source of it coming out. Um, yeah. But like, so yeah, I mean, that's all is what it is but man i mean the kid just one thing nobody can ever question about him is just the what he was willing to go through frankly all four years he was here um, yeah to to stay on the field and try to play and, and you know try to help it's just the threshold for pain like is phenomenal and like football players are tough like we get that and yeah that's that's part of the deal but man, yeah, like he went above and beyond, and especially in the context of what he was asked to do for yeah. Nebraska, which was basically everything when when they were on offense most of four years. Like it just it adds a whole other layer to just kind of his story here. And and like you said, he's, he's not Nebraska's quarterback anymore. Some people are probably sick of hearing this, whatever. But this is what it is. Dude was tough, and dude played through a lot, and was asked to do a whole hell of a lot while playing through a lot. So yeah, just pretty, pretty incredible what he went through just to even get on the field. There's also just like this element of like with the breath, like, of course it would happen that way. You know, like some of it's unavoidable. Some of it's just freak stuff that happened. Like 
Jordan Riley rolling up on his ankle in practice yeah, uh, and, and, and injuring him further. But it's like, you know, like they were sort of, la- they were sort of laughing about it. Like he, he had the screws put in and then they played Northwestern. And he like ran for a couple touchdowns, like in the first quarter, it was like, I guess not really running less. And then, you know, like mm-hmm. He took hits, obviously, over the course of the season and got hurt further and all of that. And it just is like, it's a shame for him. I'm sure that there's part of him that's like, he said, he said, it's like, well, it's all part of the experience and you learn about yourself and all of that. But like, man, to put yourself through that and then go three and nine. Yeah. yeah, it's a hell of an experience if you want to talk about it, you know, part of the experience. Character so. building. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's got type, more character than Adrian, if that's the case. It's all that type two fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So that's Adrian. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about the current team now. Spring ball is a little more than a week away. Basically. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. A little less than two weeks. 20, 28th. Is that the first day? Yeah. Yep. A week from yeah. uh, Monday. <clears throat> a week from Monday. There you go. So obviously we won't get to see a whole lot of that uh, other than maybe some guys stretching for 15 minutes before practice yeah, starts. Pretty much. Then. We, we won't glean a whole lot out of this new coaching staff, these new additions to the roster, those sorts of things. But I guess, Parker, what's maybe a thing or two you're kind of looking at as you kind of gear up here over these next couple of weeks and this gets going. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interest um, in, I think there's a lot of unknowns and that's, that's probably, that's always the case to some degree. Um, it always makes a difference in terms of like sort of how zippy um, you think spring ball is going to be um, depending on what's happening at, quarterback and mm-hmm. even if you are of the mind that Casey Thompson as a veteran and 10 game starter last year in the big 12 um, is the favorite to win the job which he probably is I mean he's got to win the job but he's got easily the yeah. most experience it still is going to be very interesting just in the sense that they've got three new scholarship guys there and all of that I, there's just so much there's so much uncertainty um, on the offensive line there's 16 new guys in the program. They have depth issues uh, on the defensive line at this point and wide open races in the secondary. Like it feels like, and then, and you know, five running backs and I guess Ramir Johnson's the favorite, you know, at this point, but sure, you yeah. can see any number of guys sort of like grabbing that mantle by August. Um, so like everywhere you look, even like tight end, which tight end is among the more boring positions on the roster because <laughs> Travis Vokalex back and Sean Beckton, the coach is back and all of that. Yeah. Like even there, like Vokalex out for most of the spring with a, a, you know, he had surgery after the season shoulder surgery. So like that's when they roll out the number one offense on the first day of spring ball, like you're probably talking about some combination of Thomas Fedoni, Chance Brewington, Chris Hickman. Um, and like, so that even, even that's going to be interesting. So yeah. it's, um, it's like the middle of the winter and spring ball starting. Uh, and there's just a lot of uncertainty and a lot of um, things to ask coaches and players about when we don't actually get to see them on the field. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, I completely lost my train of thought. I just, I, I'm sorry, Parker, I'm going to hang you out to dry here. I had a thought and now I can't remember what it was. That's fine. I, I totally you know, I, I, um, that's so, spring ball in a nutshell though, right? That's spring ball in a nutshell. What's going on. And then you look at shiny you object over here, right? About. Yeah. That. Oh, Hey, yeah. Look at that. Yeah. What do you think? So, okay. So how about this? Like there's a lot of, 
I mean, what, okay, so that's like the, there's all this player stuff. <clears throat> then there's yeah. more overarching questions, like especially on offense about how the system comes together and all of that. Like, do you when I mean you heard Mickey Joseph on the early signing day, and he said this since too. Like he's convinced that they're going to throw the ball a lot, maybe not 65% of the time, but a lot under Mark Whipple. Um, and that talk hasn't diminished any as they've started to like put the system in place and all that. Like, is that, you know, Nebraska fans as well as anybody, like, are there going to be some, are there going to be some nervous Nellies? Are we going to get some hand yes. when, yes. when Mickey Joseph is, is, um, flaunting how much they're going to put the ball in the air this spring as spring ball goes. Yes. Along. Well, and think about how much hand wringing there was the last four years when they ran it more than they threw it. Now it was yeah. close. I mean, it was, it was right. now it wasn't 65, 35 or anything like that, but what did we hear all the whole time? Run the damn ball. And now yeah, you're talking right. about throwing. They got the hats. 5%. Yeah. yeah. Now you're talking about throwing it 65% of the time, but you know what? It's, it's what we just talked about, right? Like there's no, there's not a lot of proven guys at running back. Uh, yeah. Ramir Johnson's probably the guy. Um, you've got what looks like a pretty good quarterback coming in, a guy that led the Big 12 in touchdown passes last year, assuming he starts. Receiver is obviously a question mark, but you know there's some potential there. And, and so why wouldn't you, at least early on, throw it more when your strength on offense looks like it's going to be quarterback, probably tight end, probably wide receiver over running back? at least early on. And that's not to say Nebraska won't run or won't run it more as the year goes on, but yeah, there will absolutely be, there'll be a lot of this going on uh, yes. that first yeah. game when Nebraska is yeah. coming out and throwing it a bunch um, and not run establishing the running an overmatched foe. So you're going to call it the yeah. Erlingus offense in, uh, <laughs> in Ireland, <laughs> Nebraska football there offense it is. brought to you by Erlingus sponsored by Erlingus. Chubba Purdy is going to come out and talk in an Irish accent for some reason. That just, Chubba, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't entertain me more. Oh, it'd be incredible. It'd be incredible. Yeah, no, it's, it's one of those, it's one part of many, many, as you said, one part of many, many interesting parts to this whole thing is just what will it look like? Not only in spring ball, but will it look different in spring ball than it does in that first game over in Ireland? So and the next question is how closely guarded will that? They're just well, no one is going to say anything interesting about the offense this spring. No, yeah, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be state secrets for sure until that first. And even in that first game, like you have to think like Nebraska is going to try to win the game, of course. But you have to think if they can do it in as vanilla a way as possible, like they're probably going to do it. Like it's it's not like you need to be really fancy to beat Northwestern necessarily. You just have to be able to execute, you know, Northwestern's on a team where you have to junk it up a whole lot generally. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the, what it, I mean, didn't they run the ball? They ran for like, some of it was Adrian, but I think they, didn't they run for like 350 yards against. Yeah. Northwestern? It was like an insane number. Yeah. That was the first game. They really like went full out with the options. That's, stuff a, that's another part of the conversation is like, I mean, it's obviously the thing about Whipple is and I think you know we've only talked to him the one time on December fifteenth. He's been around the game for so long, like you know he's definitely like at U when he was a head coach at UMass. They threw the ball all over the place, but that yeah. was in part because they had Adam Brenneman, um, and then they had Andy Isabella, tight end yeah, and NFL guys. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, so the thing with Whip, Whipple has always been, and this is what I gleaned in talking to people who coached against him last year. He just, he's a type of guy that force feeds 
like whoever your playmaker is, he just force feeds him the ball, you know, and yeah. that sometimes that's like this last year of Pitt, it was Jordan Addison. They had a great quarterback, obviously, in Kenny Pickett. Jordan Addison was a receiver. And they just targeted him constantly. And that, mm-hmm. you know, at, at UMass, it was Brenneman, and then it was um, Andy Isabella. But there's also been times in his career, like in, when he was with the Steelers, where it's more about running the football, you know. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be ground and pound necessarily. Yeah. And, and if you look at their – how you would project their strengths right now, which we'll see, um, you would probably, like you said earlier, Baz, like quarterback and receivers. Um, but I don't know. Like – you can't coach in the AFC North and not believe in running the football. I think that's probably yeah, yeah. So it'll be yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it comes together. Well, and part of that too is how the offensive line develops, right? Like yeah, if totally if they can't move guys off the ball in practice, and if they can't move guys off the ball, you know, in some of those early games, then yeah, they're probably gonna chuck it quite a bit, you know, and, and turn the pa- turn the passing game into the running game. That old that old saying you hear all the time on, on TV. So it's, it's like everything else. There's a million different things that, that go into it. It's, it's personnel and it's how that personnel executes in relation to the rest of the unit. So yeah, we'll there's a, to see. Yeah, go ahead. That, that's speaking of the offensive line. I just think to me, like there's so many different combinations that could um, develop, I guess, over the next few months, there's no guarantee that um, any of them are going to lead to massive improvement. Although it obviously could. Um, but I think the thing like, I can't think of a position on the roster that I have less an idea of what it's going to look like than center. Oh yeah. Like it could be, it could just be as simple as like Ethan Piper this spring and then Turner Corcoran, like when he gets healthy, Trent Hickson is a sort of trusty veteran backup type could be it. But like, if you gave me who takes the first snap at center against Northwestern in August and you said, Corcoran, Piper, Hickson, transfer. I would not know what to tell you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't – because Corcoran, like, that'd be interesting to see. But maybe he gets healthy this summer and they put him back at right tackle and Teddy's at left tackle, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just – it's um every guy, like Piper, okay, he's athletic and he's smart. And yeah. all of that, but like you really struggled consistently, and you cannot so, have that yeah. at center. Yeah. Um, and Hickson was a starter in um, 18? 18, yeah, hasn't been since. Clearly, mm-hmm. they think other guys talent wise have passed him up, them up, and then you never know what they're going to do transfer wise. So, like, yeah, just every guy there, you could squint and see it, and then there's also reason to be like, eh, I'm, I'm not sure about that. That's we talk about entertainment value for our own selfish reasons. Like what, you know, this center thing is fascinating and they, they get it all sorted out. Whoever it is fly over to Ireland, first game, first snap goes over the quarterback's head. Like first snap immediately is a wild snap. Just like they dealt with, with Cam Jurgens. Like that would be entertaining to me personally. (laughs) It would not be entertaining to a lot of people. Not to the players, the coaches or any Nebraska fan on the planet, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, second. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> All right, let's let's keep this baby moving here. Uh, we're going to shift yep. over to baseball. That's let's the most it. seamless transition ever. But you know whose season does start in a few days? That's baseball. Yeah. Friday yeah. at Sam Houston State, 6.30 p.m. first pitch, I believe, down in lovely Huntsville, Texas. They're going to play a four-game series, doubleheader Saturday, fi- finishing up on Sunday. 
as as interesting as football is going to be this year, I put baseball almost on that same level just yeah. because of yeah. what happened last year, the the absolute stars they lost from last year's team, and they lost stars. Let's not make any jokes. Let's not make any bones about it. You know, they, they lost some big-time dudes. And, and also because you just hear the confidence um, – when Will Bolt talks uh, in his team and our, our esteemed colleague, Mr. Sipple wrote about this in his column for today, you know, just the guy exudes confidence all the time and, and it bleeds down to his players. And they just, they talk plainly about, it. they want to host a regional. They want to win a super regional. They want to go to Omaha play in the college world series. And there's a lot of teams that want to do that. Sure. But it feels a lot closer for Nebraska than it did even at the beginning of last season when they yeah. weren't even picked in the top six in the Big Ten preseason poll, which for some reason only picks six teams because that's how we do things in the Big Ten. Yeah, why not? But why not? So just it's fascinating in that they're going to have to replace some big stars. It's fascinating that they're going to be playing with a target on their back uh, for really the first time for a full season. It's fascinating to me because this is going to be Will Bolt's first full season as a head coach. Like, Isn't that crazy? Coach, coach 15 games his first year in 2020, Big Ten only last year until the regional. Now, God willing, hopefully it's it's a full season right. this year. And so there, there's that part of it, too. What, is, what does it look like for Nebraska in the midweeks, in the non-conference? What if they go down to Sam Houston and they split or, or they lose three out of four? You know, it's, it's going to be different than it was maybe last year with Big Ten. Yeah. So there's just so many interesting parts of this. They named the starting rotation a couple of days ago. I know real surprises. Kyle Perry, Shea Shanneman, Lena Da, 1A, 1B. Your two veteran guys, probably the guys you'd expect. Then Dawson McCarville, the the Grand Canyon transfer, who was really good over the second half of last season for the for the Lopes. And then Braxton Bragg in that fourth spot, who probably becomes like your midweek guy uh, when yeah. you're not playing a four game series. So, kind of got a hint into what that's going to look like. We kind of we kind of have an idea what the position players are going to look like, what the lineup's going to look like. It's got to be a lot of young guys, a lot of young guys, you know, just going around the infield. We're probably going to go sophomore, sophomore, freshman, sophomore uh, around the infield. And look, they're going to be good and they're going to be athletic, but they're going to be young. And and the outfield, you're replacing your top four outfielders, basically. So there's there's a lot of questions with this team. I think they're going to be good. Um, I don't know if they have the stars they had last year, but they've got a lot of really good players, a lot of talent. So it's just it's I'm fascinated to see how this looks and how these roles kind of get filled out, especially over these first few weeks of the season. So with, I got, I have questions, obviously, you know, we saw Perry a little bit, obviously last year. So I'm curious about Shannon and, and Bragg in particular, I guess I know the least about those two, like, I guess with Bragg first, like what, what, what's his, what's his story? How did he make What's his deal? What's his deal? What's your deal, Braxton Bragg? Uh, been around he's for a, a couple great of years. Name. I mean, that's a good baseball name. It is, it's a great baseball name. Um, he's been a bullpen guy. He was a bullpen guy last year. And it was actually really good out of the pen for like the first half of the year. And then he just kind of lost it the second half of the year, really struggled. But a guy that that he, he's kind of in the mold of what this coaching staff looks for in a pitcher. He's, he's a bigger kid. He's going to throw hard and he's going to throw a lot of strikes. And that sounds easy enough, throw hard, throw strikes. But it, there's a difference between throwing and pitching. And, and so that's kind of the next step, I think, for Braxton Bragg. He's always been highly thought of, I think, by this coaching staff since they got here. And they've always kind of seen him as a guy that could potentially 
be a starter or yeah. like last year was more of a long relief type situation. And they've got a lot of guys like that. It, you know, it could have been Braxton Bragg. It could have been Jake Buns. It could have been Cody Frank. It could have been Mason. Orton. It could have been any number of guys in that fourth yep. spot. But, you know, Braxton Bragg, uh, when he played summer ball, they made him a starting pitcher. And he was great. I think he had 24 strikeouts to three walks uh, over the <laughs> summer, which is kind of what you're looking for uh, in your starting pitcher. So <clears throat> that, that's kind of the – the situation I think where they like their depth of pitching is that, yeah, it's Braxton Bragg this weekend, but it might be, you know, somebody else yeah. next week or next Tuesday. And and the kid's got talent. They really like his talent. That's what it comes down to. I mean, he's been more consistent with it, you know, in the fall and in the spring here. And I think that's why he got that full spot, you know, right out of the gate. So, yeah, it's just, it's, I know, I know baseball isn't everybody's cup of tea, but guess what? That's the best men's program on team best men's program on campus right now for Nebraska. You know, it's, it's going to take them probably two or three weeks to equal the win total for the men's basketball team, uh, which is currently at seven in case you didn't know that. So there's that. And I don't, I don't have the luxury this year of like already caring a lot about spring training baseball. So I've got to get my baseball fix in some way. This is going to be that. That's a thing, right? Like how many more people are going to, are going to watch college baseball this year? because that's what it is. And if Nebraska makes a statement early on, if, if they go out down and play well against Sam Houston state, if they go out and play well against TCU, who's ranked 17th in the country, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you want to be a national program. You're, you're going to be well on your way, uh, especially with the way things ended last year. And if you start hot this year and Will Bolt and all those players will tell you, we got to take it day by day, step by step and all those sorts of things. But if you're, you know, looking ahead, you know, a month from now, Nebraska's got a chance to really capture a lot of people's attention. And so that's, that plays into this too. So yeah, it's, it, it, it might be a deal where that's, that's something that helps Nebraska might be a deal where it hurts them if, if they struggle. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch. I think for baseball, um, let's wrap this up with a little bit of hoops, uh, decidedly less interesting uh, at this point. Nebraska Amy Williams team, Amy Thrilliams and the girls, um, <laughs> Dominating Indiana, shout out to them. Leading um, by 21 at one point in the fourth quarter, a 17-0 run in crunch time. Uh, just super impressive. First team to score more than 70 uh, against the Hoosiers this year, which is pretty amazing when you think about some of the teams in the Big Ten. Um, they, they got it going, and they're you know they're probably looking at six, seven, eight seed right now in the NCAA tournament. You know that's, that's say, pretty favorable. When you got when you got like multiple weeks left in the season, anything is possible. Obviously, yeah. um, but that was a pretty emphatic ticket punch uh, to the dance, I think, when you beat a top five team. And the team that, you know, leading their, Indiana was leading the Big Ten, 10 and 1. Um, yeah. You know, when you beat a team like that, you, you're, you're talking about an NCAA tournament team. I, I know they've been in the, you know, in or around the field for a good chunk of the year. But, man, I mean, you know, they're, they're going to make the tournament at this point, is, is the way it's looking. Yeah. In, in my mind, and I admittedly don't follow the women's game as closely, but in my mind, that was maybe the one hole in their, their resume was they didn't really have a, you know, a ton of the marquee wins. They'd beat Michigan yeah. early yeah. in the year at home, um, but you lose to Iowa twice. You know, you lose to Maryland, a traditional power in your conference, and you've been close in a couple of those games, but you haven't gotten over to home. So to do that, to do that in the manner in which they did it, yeah, you're right. That's about as close to locking it up as as you can get, again, with a month left in the season. Yeah, right. Right. At this point, so a long way to go, but you don't yeah. want to lose out and lose early in the tournament or anything like that, but yeah. 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 Like that. yeah, exactly. So 
that's where that's the women. The men, meanwhile, are going to play an 8 p.m. Friday night game against Maryland, uh, who is three and eleven. In the, that's going to be one and thirteen in the conference against three and eleven in the conference at 8 p.m. on a Friday night. So, I'm putting the over under on scan tickets at five thousand uh, right now in Pinnacle Bank. Pretty rough. I mean, it is what it is, and. You know, somebody asked me the question earlier today, is, is it to the point now where you're basically just, everybody's just kind of running out the clock on the season and kind of feels like, right? Like there's there's obviously the intrigue of what will happen with Fred Hoiberg, what will happen yeah. with the staff, you know, all that sort of stuff. But at this point, Nebraska's playing spoiler, but they're also playing spoiler when they went to Iowa coming off a win too. And then they gave up a 42 to 10 run loss by almost 30. So <clears throat> there's – there's opportunities there for a few wins, but look, they're going to be playing Wednesday in the Big Ten tournament uh, in a playing game, probably against Penn State or Maryland uh, again. And that's that's kind of the difference for Nebraska right now. You see some of these other teams at the bottom, and they they play hard every time out. Maryland pushed Purdue to a one point game yeah. in West Lafayette. Yeah, you know, after getting smoked by Iowa uh, a yeah. couple of days prior, Penn State just beat Michigan State last night. You know, and I turned that game on and uh, Michigan State was up 12, I think, early in the second half. And I heard the first words I heard when I turned to put the game on TV was like Michigan State's first double digit lead of the night. And then they went up maybe like it was 12 or 14. And I thought, eh, this doesn't look like it's going to be interesting. And I just for whatever reason, I left it on for a couple of minutes and bam, Penn State was right back in like 10 0 run. Yeah, they were right there. Tough. Uh yeah, I mean they're they're not talented as talented as a lot of these teams, but they play hard and they play hard for forty minutes. And you know, I and I hate I hate to say this, but you can't say that about Nebraska. They don't. They just don't. They don't do it. And what whatever the reason for that is, <clears throat> at this point, it doesn't matter because you're one thirteen in the conference. The season is what it is. It's a lost cause at this point. So that's where we're at for Nebraska basketball. It's a pretty uplifting time right now over at PBA. We'll talk to Fred Hoiberg tomorrow, get his thoughts uh, over the next couple of weeks here, but we're going to make it quick and easy for you. Get in, get out, uh, enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Hopefully we'll have all three of us back on, back in the saddle and, and we'll talk to you next time.